0: Welcome to the New Faces of Democracy podcast, the show featuring inspiring conversation with people at the grassroots and the grass tops, doing extraordinary things to stand up for our democracy. I'm your host, Nancy Bynum. This podcast celebrates people who are transforming our political landscape by organizing, running for office, or generally striving to make our democracy live up to its promise of a more perfect union. I hope their stories will inspire you to learn more about them or to take action on your own. Head over to newfacesofdemocracy.org for easy links to subscribe, follow on social media, and to get more inspiration. On this episode, I have a conversation with Katie Michelle, owner of Plant House Gallery in New York City and a member of Victory Garden Collective, a group of women artists using their craft to exercise their patriotic duty. While the group started in 2016 to support Hillary Clinton in anticipation of her victory, it morphed into an act of political resistance under Trump. Just as Victory Gardens in World War II provided sustenance and nurturing, so has the Victory Garden Collective in providing sustenance to both the artists and their audience during a challenging four years, while nurturing the resistance through works that unite activism with a tongue-in-cheek domesticity. Katie and I talk about the power of political art to unite, console, and inspire us, finding joy in being part of the conversation, and the multitudes of women who have discovered their political voices in the last four years and made them heard. And now, here's my conversation with Katie Michelle. Katie Michelle, welcome to New Faces of Democracy.
1: Hi, Nancy. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Katie, I'm excited to talk to you about a group of artists called Victory Garden Collective that you're a part of. But I thought maybe just first we could start by you telling me a little bit of background about yourself and what brought you to this place.
1: In my 20s, I worked at a printing press called the Grenfell Press and it was my first job when I moved to New York and I stayed there for 22 years and I loved it. We did graphic design, we published books, we printed cards, we printed books, we printed prints, we worked with artists, we worked with writers. The work was always exciting. When I turned 40, I had always dreamed of opening a gallery the gallery, the opportunity presented itself. My kids were a little bit older. I walked around the corner from the press and found an old space called Plant House, an old flower store. And there was a business card on the floor. And having done work for art institutions throughout my career, I said, That's the name of this gallery. That's our identity. It helped. It was on the flower block of New York.
0: And I'd had all these
1: connections working with artists. So I was sort of wanted to try a space. Roll around, that was, I think, 2013. So I'm connecting with artists. I'm putting up shows. I'm publishing books. I'm publishing prints. I'm having lots and lots of fun. In 2016, I'm approached after the primaries where Hillary Clinton has been nominated to join a group called Victory Garden. And it's five women artists. We're all New York City-based. And the first project was T-shirts. And the T-shirts was everyone would design a T-shirt that they would wear election day. And we were thinking that Hillary would win. And we were excited about the idea of the first female president. And so the fall, the T-shirt projects, we each designed a T-shirt. We rolled them up into bags, and I mentioned to them, I said, I really like the name Victory Garden. It harkened back to World War II and the Victory Gardens throughout the U.S., even in Europe, even in Australia during the war that people put up to sort of support the war effort, I guess. And as the gallery owner, I said to the women, I said, I just love the name Victory Garden can I do a group show? Because I often did group show that sort of to the community saying, can I do a show called Victory Garden for December and just ask lots of people in the community to contribute? And this is prior to the election that I think I could probably look back and look at my email blast saying we're going to do this. There was a picture of a World War II Victory Garden. And then I remember as The fall rolled on. It wasn't really till about a week before the election that things didn't seem as rosy and going our way. And there was a artist, we ended up pasting some posters he designed on the front, on the outside of the gallery that had Trump as a Mussolini kind of figure saying, I will bomb.
0: So you came up with his name, Victory Garden Collective when it looked like Hillary was going to win. And it must have meant something in that context. And then it must have meant something after the election when it was a completely different context. So what did it mean when you first came up with it? What is a group of artists making t-shirts have to do with the victory garden?
1: I think the the idea of the garden, when we had our very first meeting about the t-shirts, it was Janice and Louise's idea to sort of form the group, to think about issues and, that was it. Maybe support Hillary as president. The t-shirts were before the election, and then
0: the mission probably changed after the election. Let's talk about that. So what was the mission? How would you describe it? Obviously, you started right before the election. So for the vast majority of your time working together, it's been in Trump world. What is the mission? And what does Victory Garden mean in that context?
1: So the mission then turned into resistance art to keep the same issues. I don't know if Hillary had been made president, would we have made as much stuff? It was to be accessible to people. It shouldn't be expensive. It was going to be going through social media. We didn't want to tell people how to vote. We wanted to tell people to vote, to think about issues, to be involved, to feel free to express themselves. There were little guidelines of no, we couldn't mention Trump directly by name. So I made a few things on my own that resistance, there was air fresheners, (laughs) dump Trump air fresheners I had to make when it was really hot, but those weren't necessarily part of the collective. But our original project was the Victory Garden show opens with a big thud and in december after hillary's lost and three or four of us were at that opening and we decided our next projects after our t-shirts would be sashes and we'd make sashes for the march on washington
0: what do you mean by sashes
1: like prom sashes or miss america pageant sashes
0: those sashes
1: and suffragette sashes because they were both they were used in the suffragette movement and they were used in the miss pageants in the Miss America. So then we came up with a list of misses, Miss, the original poster I have to go look at, but mischievous, mistake, misrepresentation. And I designed a poster at work at Grenfell Press to print and Janice and Louise at Russell Janice in Brooklyn prepared lots of sashes to be printed with misrepresentation. There was, I'd have to go look back at the originals. And I sent an email blast out about it January 6th. And we were inundated with
0: requests for sashes. You were selling these.
1: We weren't even, we were giving them away. said, stop by the studio and pick up your free sash. And people emailed from across the country. People came by. People made donations. I printed posters at the press brought them over to the gallery, did an email blast saying, come pick up your free poster. There's an opening. It was a Thursday before the march. And I didn't anticipate the run for the free merchandise. And Janice Louise and Wendy, I think printed about a thousand free sashes over the course of a couple weeks that went out into the world. And then after the march, we all went and marched down in DC. We came back and I had a few leftover prints I said, we need to commemorate the project with the leftover prints and make a deluxe publication. And as a group. So I sent an email blast saying that those would be for sale. And the first call at the, my desk was from the curator for the head of the Whitney museum's collection saying, we'd like to pre-order this project. And I was Surprised because you don't get that call every day at a gallery. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then the project ended up being placed, I think it was an edition of 15, and it sold out, and I think it ended up in five or six different institutions. I know the Met has it. You can go to the Prince Department there and look it up. And the Beinecke Library at Yale has it. The New York Historical Society has it and it included it in a show a year ago. This is the poster. Original poster. And then we made we sort of custom ordered these fancy sashes of 11. So you get the sashes and the poster together in a box. And it commemorates the March from 2017.
0: So just one thing, what, like you said, I mean, that's pretty shocking to have the Whitney call you up and then all these other institutions. Why do you think they were so interested in this? Obviously you were pushing some button that was really powerful. What was it?
1: the button that was powerful is that the political art is a really powerful show. And I think about art of this period of we, there is so much going on and it takes a while for it to filter out. There's people making so much. I mean, you've interviewed a whole bunch of people on this subject, the Diana Weimar, the tiny pricks project, social justice sewing Academy, which is, racial issues in the United States. And then there's the Trump issues. There's the victory garden, which
0: is voting rights and resistance. Tell me if I've got this wrong, but a victory garden in World War II, they were generally in England and it was people growing their own fruits and vegetables to supplement their rations. And everyone was sort of chipping in.
1: Australia and the United States too, because the people were being
0: taken off to work in factories. And so they didn't want to stress the home. Was it like an act of patriotism? It was an act of patriotism. As well as just practically feeding your family. And so that's sort of what you were taking your cue from and coming up with the name was this patriotic act of standing up and doing something. I would say
1: definitely. And again, this is the idea of supporting Hillary as the first female president. And I think that's where it came from. But then it Turned into this four years of resistance art.
0: I mean, it definitely took on a whole much more poignant aspect. There was this
1: other thing that I had read somewhere that often in fascist sort of movements, there will be this huge uprising within the first year and resistance. And so you saw the March on Washington, and then there was the March the year out. And so we felt it was very important to keep going because often those voices start to get quieter as we get worn down. And so we knew that we were going to have four years of having to stay active as a group. But there was this real goal of not dropping out after two years and making sure we stayed on top of it and keeping at it. And even as our lives get busy with life and our own work, we made a point of, making our projects small editions, editions of 100. So once that edition was done and project was sort of executed and sort of sold at cost, sold to sort of cover things, made stickers to support it, we'd move on to the next thing because there was always something. Now that the election is over and there are certain things that have probably holding power, I'm not a total purist where I could see maybe figuring out a way to do a second edition, if it seems right and makes sense.
0: I've seen your work and I think a lot of it is really still very timely. I think I mentioned to you, I love your glasses that say like sisters, resistors, persisters.
1: That was for Valentine's Day, which is the day before Valentine's Day is traditionally called Galentine's Day, where you're supposed to go out with your women friends or you're just your friends and Drink with your women friends. And so we made resistance glasses for Valentine's Day. We had done blue voting. We had done a whole series of napkins that were all blue that each had vote on them. So we had won that we had done really well. We were pleased with the midterm elections. But again, that was this thing where we didn't know what was going to happen in the presidential race. And we had sort of this moment where we could breathe and exhale but we didn't want to stop.
0: So it sounds like you do at least some domestic art, which I like the idea because it ties into the victory garden concept. So napkins, you said glasses. Tell me about some of the things you guys have created.
1: Before the napkins, there were prayer flags. And the Tibetan tradition of prayer flags was on our minds of so they were all sort of messages of positivity. And so we did a prayer flag show at the gallery at Plant House, a summer show on my terrace, and it was incredibly beautiful. And it was the idea that also art could be very simple and not expensive and could be powerful. And then we opened that show up to, we were the basis of that show, and that was the basis for the napkins we designed. We Each took, there were maybe eight prayer flags and we there was a uterus. There was a picture of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There was a, I think, John Muir quote. There was a Zora Neale Hurston quote. And they were all addressing immigration. There were different issues that were up in the resistance. And it was an incredibly, and then we opened up the show so people could make their own prayer flag and drop it off. And then the whole thing is that they disintegrate into the wind over time, so you just leave them outside, and they send the messages of hope out. But it was this idea that it was inexpensive, and so I ended up giving away the used prayer flags. I ended up, they were all these bright colors; they were really beautiful. And so then, after that, we met, and we'd done an apron too—a resistance apron—and that was sort of the start of the thinking of the domestic after the T-shirt of things you could wear. And Victory Garden, like working in the garden with your work clothes. And then napkins came out of the prayer flags because they were really pretty. And again, that was one of those projects where we printed 12 different napkins by hand. And we published them and they sold out in two days. (laughs) So then we did three sets of napkins. We reissued those napkins, made them a little different just because there was definitely people responding to the work and a need. The institutions like them, there was the Art Gallery of Toronto up in Canada. They started a whole collection of buying resistance art, American resistance art to Trump. So they have the napkins and the Met has the napkins and Yale has the napkins. So... They've gone all over the place, which is nice because I think people responded to the work, feeling it nourished them and they needed it the same way that the Victory Garden served their purpose in World War II.
0: So you've mentioned some first names of people in your group. Tell me all their names and what it's like to work together. What's the creative process like when you're working with five other people and do different people take the lead each time? Tell me a little about them.
1: It's been really fun. There is Tara Gear, who is up at Columbia, and she's got younger children. There's Jess Frost, who is out in Long Island. She's the director of Duck Creek's Art, it's the curator. Janice Stemmerman, who's got an artist printing compound out in Brooklyn. Wendy Small, who by day is a nurse, school nurse, and by night is an artist. And Louise Eastman, who's a full-time artist, and... As collaborators, again, I think the garden provided us sort of sustenance as a group of people to get together and meet and figure out some way to use our talents to empower us as well. And as artists, creatively, there was that maybe your art didn't directly necessarily want to go after these subjects on your own with your own practice, let's say. I mean, you might do it in different ways, but this was a way to get that message out together. And sometimes different people would make suggestions of Tara's involved up in Washington Heights with the immigrant community. So she sort of kept us on immigration and things that were needed in churches and I know we did butterfly tattoos at one point. So as a sign that you were a sympathizer. So everybody brought something to the table. I would say Jess was a real wordsmith. And she would come up with the meat of the paragraph that would sort of put it together, synthesize it. And the last things we did, those votives, which was the candles, which was our last publication right before the election.
0: Describe those candles just for listeners?
1: They're votives.
0: They're ceramic candle holders
1: and with their pinholes so that when you light your candle, it spells vote. And that's an incredibly beautiful, powerful object. And again, it played, we exhausted the napkins. And after we'd done three sets of napkins and I just saw that there was sort of napkin fatigue a little bit in our audience. So then we did glasses. And so again, we were always liking to sort of push the subject of domesticity with our items that things that you might have in your home that were objects that you would use that you would might entertain with. And so the votive.
0: I love the votives because the they're literally vote I mean, it's just the play on words. They're beautiful, like you said, and they're a way of conveying a message in a very low key, but still powerful way. Quiet
1: way too. Quiet. Sort of- yeah.
0: A candle is quiet.
1: And to reflect on the freedoms and the things we have fought for for so long, it's probably one of my more favorite because it is so
0: quiet. Yeah. And candles have so much significance in terms of, I mean, our the last candlelight vigil I went to was for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Candles are commemorative. I know you said a lot of your work has to do with voting rights and getting people out to vote and also raising policy issues. But it seems like a lot of it is geared to women's issues, too, I'm thinking of the... Miss America type sashes and the sisters' glasses. What message are you sending? Is there a message you guys think you are sending to women or about women's issues? Because we're
1: a women's based collective and we're all in our late 40s, early 50s. So we were the same generation. So we know that we fit into a conversation about women's issues. And we're all white women. And so I think we do think about our role in the conversation, especially if you think about the suffragettes. And so that is a conversation that we always are having when we meet about how we fit into this conversation of women's issues. And again, keeping those issues what we have and what freedoms we've gained and what opportunities we've gotten not to take them for granted and to keep pushing.
0: In creative activism, there's often a benefit to both the maker and the viewer or the recipient of the art. And you alluded to some of that by just discussing the community, the art of women artists that you're working with. I want to go back and talk about community in a second, but I just want to talk about now the process of making and creating this on a personal level. What does that bring you? I mean, in the last four years, it's been tough. I mean, sometimes it was very easy to get down. What did you get out of making this work?
1: Joy. (laughs) Lots of joy. I'd be so excited when the delivery would show up at the gallery or this, whether it was stickers, a tattoo, the test proof, just to be feeling that I was being part of the conversation and acting. So as my own personal, it gave me great satisfaction to be making work about our time. Whether you liked it or not like it, I felt like it was a good way for me as a gallerist, as an artist, to be doing something that works on our talents when we saw the midterms, when the 2018 midterms, and we'd done those blue napkins, and we were fighting the IDC in New York State, and we got a few people voted out that it worked. The resistance had worked. That was really exciting for us. And then you saw this outpouring again. You see the work the last year, especially because I think people got fired up again. I think it was quiet for a couple of years in between. And then this last year, there was a real big, big push to get so much art poured out. It'll filter out, whether it was t-shirts, whether it was everything, especially with social media, which was, again, just, I mean, social media is such a
0: part of this story, too. Tell me how social media plays a part in this.
1: Well, social media, I think in 2016, we're just the average voter. And then there is this thing there, people are saying on Facebook, there are all these groups, the Russians have infiltrated the Facebook and oh right, of
0: course, social media in terms of the elections. But just do you guys use social media as part of your outreach or anything?
1: Absolutely. So then the idea is like even if you're making editions of a hundred, those editions of a hundred were going out into the world the way the same way the prayer flags did. And I'll give you an example: was we made the Miss Democracy stickers to go with the Miss Democracy print that we redid in 2020, and I was mailing those prints out this summer and my helper at the gallery went to the UPS store and the guy who works behind the counter at the UPS store was saying how much he liked the stickers we'd made for the Miss Democracy print. So Philip said to me, can I bring him a whole bunch of stickers, Katie? And I said, yeah, absolutely. He brought the UPS guy a whole bunch of Miss Democracy stickers. He put it on the back of his laptop at home and then posted it on his social media.
0: That brought me joy, (laughs) that story. We talked about what the work brings to you. What do you hope it brings to others who buy it or who just see it like on the UPS guy's Instagram?
1: Well, he got to feel like he was doing something too besides going to work and sending a message that his voice mattered too in this story. The same way that it got maybe in registering. And again, it's also all the positives that have come out. There will be positives that come out of this period of. Massive voter registration, people engaged again.
0: Absolutely. I love the community you guys have created among yourselves. And obviously, you were all friends before, but what role has that played for you in the last four years? Just having the women.
1: Oh, it was having our meetings every three or four months together was sort of a sisterhood meeting to reflect about what was going on. And we would have meetings we wanted to make sure that we were sensitive when we were putting stuff out there we'd have a litmus test I know Louise's daughters we'd run by things to make sure that it passed their test before we published something and we're going to meet soon to see what we have to do how we continue to work
0: that's one of my questions like what are you thinking are you done is it like have you wrapped it up or is there more to do
1: Again, there is a curator, too, who said to me, I said, well, maybe we'll be done in November. Our goal was four years and to get them out of office. Yet, and then she emailed me back saying, no, there's so much more work to be done. (laughs) So maybe, too, as a collective, you think about art making and you think about the solitary artist in his or her studio working by themselves and There's always a conversation going. And I think we touched on something that not only touched us, but seemed to touch others. And there is so much. You can't just stop. That's what we've learned.
0: I know you're a mom and a number of the women in your group are mothers, as you mentioned. And I know that a lot of moms have become more politically active in the last four years. Has being a mother had any influence on the work that you do at Victory Garden? I mean, I know you mentioned Louise runs things by her daughters as sort of like a check to make sure it like passes the college student or whatever age they are, young adult test of not crossing lines. But what else?
1: For sure. I mean, I remember in high school, I was feminist. Back in high school, I remember going to March on Washington on pro-choice issues, and that was the big issue of our time at the time in 89. Still is. (laughs) Still is. And then I want to say I got out of college and I went to work, and I worked on honing a craft. And my craft was honed at a printing press, the way old-fashioned apprentices work, where you learn printing, you learn design. And I want to say that was about a good 20 years. And so now that I have my own shop and I have my own voice and I'm turning 50 next year, I feel much more committed to that voice. Whereas I have the skill set, I have a way to be impactful. I think about it with having two daughters to make sure that they feel that their voices maybe even earlier on get heard. And I think Trump sort of galvanized a lot of women too. That March on Washington right there brought it up to the surface where it wasn't really on our minds in the same way that it was. And now my kids are teenagers and one's about to finish high school and they're going to be part of that conversation too. And so I can see how their choices in the classroom are completely different than mine were back in the 80s.
0: Oh my God, they're so much farther along than things were when we were growing up. If listeners want to find out what you guys currently have for sale, how would someone buy your work?
1: There's a website and most, all of the Victory Garden merchandise and prints and art and things that we do is on our website at planthouse.net under editions. I'm also publishing other artists who are doing political art or not political art. But it's all there on my website at planthouse.net. And my gallery is at 55 West 28th Street. There's a schedule there of art We're even in the pandemic, even though there are a few people coming in, you can visit all the shows online as well. We have a robust program that may not be perfect, but it's there. And we have the space. And my landlords, which is really great, have given me a break for 21. So I don't expect to go anywhere. And I get to keep doing what I'm doing. So I'm hoping to be stay in New York,
0: keeping at it and we won't stop. I don't think, I hope not. I hope not. I love the way that you are using your skills as artists to spread a message, to do something that brings you joy while it makes other people think and brings them joy as well. So Katie, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today on New Faces of Democracy. Our conversation was A true inspiration to me. Thank you. Thank you for listening. New Faces of Democracy is created and produced by me, Nancy Bynum. And in addition to being the host, I'm also the CEO, the CFO, and the administrative assistant. If you enjoyed this episode, please help New Faces of Democracy grow by subscribing on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for more inspiration, check out my other profiles at newfacesofdemocracy.org and follow New Faces of Democracy on Instagram and Facebook.